Our scripture reading today is from 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder, and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the word of the Lord. Um, thought it would be fitting, since most of our passage today uh, is covering elders, what an elder looks like when he is eldering uh, in a faithful way that God would honor and reward. Um, Kyle is one of one of our elders, and so thank you, Kyle, for reading this morning. <clears throat> in the movie Gladiator, uh, General Maximus goes from celebrated warrior, favorite of one emperor, to despised traitor and nemesis of another emperor. Uh, Russell Crowe, by the way, if you don't know, he's General Maximus. He becomes a fugitive and then a slave and then an unvanquished gladiator. And his fame in these death fights brings him to Rome's biggest stage for gladiator games, the Colosseum Spaniard. Colosseum. The games open with a reenactment of the Battle of Carthage, and the gladiators, Russell Crowe and the others, they're all on foot. They're playing the part of the Carthaginians, but it's a stage set for slaughter. They're marched down a dark passageway into this brilliant sunlight, and they're met with the roar of the crowd that's hungry to see blood and gore. Maximus, the leader, shouts to his men, stay together. He assembles them in a tight circle in the center of the arena. They're back to back. Their shields are aloft. Their spears are outward. And again, he shouts, whatever comes out the gate, stay together. The instinct to scatter is strong. And he knows that. Now what comes out of the gate is chariot upon chariot pulled fast by these thundering war horses and driven by master chariot drivers. They're hurling spears, they're launching arrows, and then one gladiator strays from the circle that Maximus had brought together. He ignored Maximus's order and he's immediately cut down. Maximus shouts one more, once more, "Stay together!" The instinct to scatter, he knows, is very strong. But Maximus encourages them to resist that impulse. The chariots get closer and closer until Maximus yells, Now! And the gladiators attack, and they decimate the Romans. And then Commodus, the evil emperor, leans over and says to the game's organizer, my memory of Roman history is rusty, but didn't we beat Carthage the first time? Whatever comes out of the gate, stay together. Whatever comes out of the gate, stay together. We've been going through 1 Peter, and, first, and Peter in this first epistle is talking to those who actually are scattered, but they are in local context where the same message would be, stay together. He knows the temptation to scatter, to become skittish, to become panicked, to go off of our nerve endings and our anxieties. Our impulses is strong, but he says, as we looked at, a couple of weeks ago, don't be surprised at the fiery trial among you. If you look up the page at 412, 
He also tells them about that in 1 Peter 1, right after the living hope that we talked about. He says, you're going to endure these various trials, but those things can be very, very valuable and be context for joy, actually, though they are threatening and suffering is real and painful because God may be melting off the dross to bring out the value that we are because of who we are in Christ. And so there's a lot coming at us. We feel that Avinash spoke to it. Perhaps you've been like me in prayer every day for families in Uvalde, for the senseless evil act that happened there. Continuing to pray for the people in Ukraine as it still persists on and it's painful and disorienting. But for us as believers, we're going to not be surprised at suffering. That is what blew Peter away when Jesus said, yep, you're right, I am the Christ. And then he says, and the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem and be betrayed and be killed and then on the third day rise again. And Peter says, no way. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Well, it's that man who didn't get that suffering precedes glory. But what we see is that Peter has begun to learn that by God's grace, and now he encourages that to local congregations that are spread and dispersed throughout parts of Asia. And he knows that scattered sheep can become skittish sheep and that threatened sheep are very vulnerable but they can also almost be a danger to themselves if they go the way of isolation so whatever comes out the gate stay together i'm actually camping on this illustration more than i normally would in an introduction because really this serves as the overarching theme for our this message and two more in first peter 5 where Peter's now going to get down to, I've told you, don't be surprised by the suffering. Uh, It's coming if it's not already here. But now he's going to say, what does it look like to be the church as God designed us to be both healthy and thriving in the midst of a hostile and hurting world, to actually live surprising to others, but also to stand firm in the grace that God supplies. Whatever comes out the gate at us, stay together, and I would add, and serve together. We don't just cling, but we're united, and we serve others, and we serve one another. And so in today's passage, Peter's going to go through what kind of elders and leaders do we need, and what kind of members are we called to be? I'm going to move this just a little bit. Is that all right? I keep ducking so I can see you guys. What kind of leaders do we need? Because we all have that tendency to get skittish. We all, it's call, he calls us sheep here. And yes, we could say sheep are dumb and sheep, they're not as much dumb. I mean, they're, they're, but they need to be attended. They can't be left unattended and they're very vulnerable and defenseless. They need a shepherd or they need shepherds. And he's going to, Peter's going to talk about in a world that's threatening where anything and everything can come at us from through the gates and we're to stay together and serve together what kind of elders do we need and what kind of members are we called to be now i want to show you this first slide just has elders influencers and all you notice these in the three verses elders what is the call of elders what kind of elders do we need we need those who shepherd god's flock god's way For influencers, when he says in verse 5, you younger men, um, it's really speaking of any member, really, but particularly those who might need a little extra encouraging nudge. It may be those younger men who are already in training under uh, elders in the church, or they could be on the verge there, and they're going to fight certain temptations to go, well, I see it a little clearer than you do. I I see, and I as a, a young man felt those same tensions. And he says, submit to elders. And that's really for all of us. And then all of you, here's the fit. Here's the uniform. Here's what we're to wear. 
Uh, Lecrae has albums called Church Clothes. These are church clothes. What are we to clothe ourselves with? Clothe yourselves with humility. That's for all of us. Elder, member, older, younger, men, women, children, all of us are to clothe ourselves with humility. Why? For God opposes the proud, and gives, but he gives grace to the humble. And what do we need most of all? More than the kind of elders and leaders we need, more than kind of the members we're to be, we need God's grace. And he'll say it at the end, that the God of all grace will do that confirming, establishing, finishing work. In 5.10, he talks about that. And he says in the very end, this is the grace of God. Stand firm in it. What we need most of all is God's grace to be sustained no matter what comes at us no matter what threatens to undercut us. And so Peter says, this is what, if we're going to be the kind of thriving, healthy church, God has a design. In fact, rather than scattering disorder, he says, here's the order. Here's how I want you to order yourselves because here's how I've ordered my church to be. First of all, let's look at elders in one through four. Elders, we are to shepherd God's flock. And I ask the question, what does that look like? And then a question that every person in, in leadership, if you're a parent, you ask this when you've had another sleepless night, when you've got a little one, or now you have a toddler that just breaks everything. At some point, you're like, I know my job, but is it worth it? The same for, for elders, to shepherd the flock of God, God's way. That's what it looks like. And the question is, is it worth it? What is my motivation? So look um, back at verse 1 and 2. He's going to say, shepherd God's flock. And Peter can say this uh, as a fellow elder. Interestingly, he doesn't say, uh, I, Apostle Peter, I as the guy who was kind of the head honcho, even in Jerusalem, of all the apostles. I'm kind of the spokesperson. No, he says, as your fellow elder, verse 1, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory that's going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God. The main charge is shepherd the flock of God. But Peter can say that as a fellow elder elder or shepherd. There's actually three terms in this passage that you can use almost interchangeably. One uh, is elders among you. Uh, That is uh, then also in uh, exercising oversight. That's the verbal form of another word for elder. We have elders, we have bishops, um, you have presbyteros, and episkopos, those are the Greek words, but you also have the word shepherd or pastor. So all three are part of a profile that there is a maturity. That's probably the presbyteros word. There's a responsible functioning. That's more the overseeing. And then that heart, that character, that care is a shepherd. He says, we need those who will shepherd the flock of God, God's way. Now, what does shepherding look like? Kind of real quick, the job description, if you will. Uh, first of all, it's to protect. Again, like I said, sheep, are we're all called sheep. We're uh, vulnerable. We need to be attended to. We need shepherding. And elders of any local church are to protect the flock from error, from false teachers, Uh, from uh, infiltrating influences that are toxic, protect us from going at each other. Uh, Paul talks about in Galatians, like beware of like biting, consuming, devouring each other. And that can happen in a church. And elders are to protect. They're to protect against thieves, marauders, wolves. I mean, you remember the old, I think it was Looney Tunes where uh, the sheep clocks in and the wolf clocks in, but the wolf's got the half-zipped sheep suit on. Elders are too. That's cartoonish, but it's real. That we are to protect against thieves, marauders, wolves. 
uh, driving back from College Station some years ago, I was on a little two-lane highway outside of Franklin, Texas, a bunch of pasture land, and just past the field where I just passed the field where some animals were grazing, and I saw two dead coyotes. I call them coyotes. You call them coyotes. Coyotes. Uh, but there are two of them. They were dead, and they were hanging on the fence. And it was as if the owner of the property, I guess a farmer, is his way of saying to the other coyotes who would like to clock in, stay out, or this will happen to you. They were to watch over, elders are to watch over those who would come in and be real danger and threat to uh, the sheep. Uh, back in the day, I was a singles pastor, and uh, probably at least once a year, I would get up and welcome people. Hey, welcome to our, our singles ministry here. I was at Dallas Bible Church and said, uh, I just want you to know this is a ministry, not a group. A group exists for itself. A ministry exists to serve others. And so also I want you to know um, my job is a shepherd. And so if you're here uh, and you're on the prowl for somebody to date kind of thing, um, you need to know that it's my job, if that's your intention, to meet you where you are and, if need be, help you see the door. Welcome to singles ministry. Now, I didn't say, hey, you're bad for having those. I don't know. I just said, if you're a half-zipped wolf in a half-zipped sheep suit, it's my job to take you out. In fact, it wasn't just the single women who appreciated this, but the men began to treat um, their single sisters in the ministry as sisters. And they were on the lookout for them. And they were, one day they, they pulled me aside like five minutes before we were supposed to start. Like, hey, you need to take out the meat market speech. Tell them it's not a meat market again because there's some dudes I don't trust. <laughs> now, how about that, huh? That's pretty cool. But that is the job of, uh, of elders. We're to shepherd. We're to have our antenna up for those Toxic infiltrators, um, if it's a single guy on the prowl, whatever, whatever it is that might disturb and discomfort the sheep. Now, doesn't mean we can't bring discomfort when it's an appropriate nudge, exhortation, reproof, correction, all that, but it's more of a protecting. Caring, the second function. Caring, you go after straying sheep. At the close of day, shepherds would check the flocks. They'd bring them into the fold. They checked the flocks for injuries, burrs in the wool, bruises that needed attention, and they would discipline rebellious sheep. Protect, care, feed. Elders are to give God's flock his truth. This nourishes and protects us. We're to, we're to train one another in truth so that counterfeits are more easily recognizable. We're to do so so that we have a firmer and firmer footing in God's word as we walk through a world that's like escalators going seven directions at once. And so that the sheep can walk at liberty like Jacob talked about last week. Not just being hearers of the word, but being doers of it. And I will walk at liberty for I seek your precepts. It's the elder's job to make sure that the sheep get to a place where they can ultimately feed themselves. Um, you take sheep to where the, the nourishing food is. You don't force feed them, but you take them and you lead them to that place. And that's the last one. Protect, care, feed, and lead. Shepherds lead sheep to green pastures, to still waters. They guide the sheep safely. They lead God's flock where God directs. This means that elders have to be, we're among the sheep. He says, the flock of God among you. But also, we have to lead out front. A shepherd doesn't nudge from the back. They don't goad sheep. They get out in front and they lead. So this means as a body, elders um, can't be tied up in every last little thing. This is why it's important that every one of us figures out and discovers and begins to deploy how God has wired you so that elders can concentrate on prayer and the Word. You have that in Acts 6. And also just these functions to oversee. And you can't oversee the flock. You can't get out in front and lead if you're only and always in the midst of the flock. And so um, that is what an elder's job description is. Um, Bill Lawrence, there's a quote here for you. 
Um, Bill Lawrence says this, servant leaders serve or they don't lead at all. Servant leaders lead or they don't serve at all. Notice, it says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. We're going to talk about what that really looks like uh, in a moment or how we're to go about doing that. But to shepherd the flock of God um, that is among you. Uh, go back one slide, Acts twenty twenty eight. This is why this is so vital. This is why um, God takes great pains to put his household, his sheepfold in order to have shepherds. He says, be on guard. This is Paul talking to the Ephesian elders. He spent years and years with them. Now he's saying, you know how I was around you. You know my character. I wasn't after CD sorted gain. I gave my life away. I tried to be an example, etc. He says, but be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. You didn't earn it. You didn't, you know, it's not because of of you and your accolades, you and your self-promotion. The Holy Spirit made you overseers. Why? To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. This is why God... I want you to hear that God takes very seriously those men that he would appoint among us to be elders. And this is why, um, though, though Paul would tell Timothy it's a noble desire to desire to be an elder, it's that it ought to be with a big lump in your throat and a sobriety about the responsibility, the weightiness of the job, because God purchased his sheep with his own blood. Jesus died for those straying sheep so that they might be brought into the fold and be shepherded by God through his under shepherds. And that's what an elder is. And so it's a pretty weighty job. Um, then let's look at what does that look like for the job? How does it, how does it look um, as elders go about doing that? Verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. And what he's going to give here uh, is kind of three contrasts. Not this way, but this way. Exercise oversight. Be one who is overlooking, giving attentive care to, having your eyes open, your antenna up, elders, over the flock and among the flock, both. And he says, I want you to go about this job not this way, but this way. Look at the three contrasts. He says, shepherd God's flock, not under compulsion, but willingly. Now, Peter's using it negative here. Paul would actually talk about a compulsion that, that God brings about because the love of Christ compels us, thrusts us forward. But he's saying here, don't, don't be an elder under compulsion, not under external pressure, um, we, we love our, our, our elementary school where our kids go, uh, Olson Elementary, and there's a joke amongst the teachers, which um, I guess because I'm there at field day with them, they let me in on this. But the question at the end of the year is, okay, now what are the words teachers are moving or whatever? And the question is, were you volu- did you volunteer for that move from sixth to second or were you voluntold? That's exactly what Peter's saying. Don't be a voluntold elder. Don't be one who's guilted into it, pressured into it. But what should it? What is the way? Well, the way is not under compulsion, but willingly, voluntarily, of your own desire. And he says this should be according to God's will. So therefore, when elders are appointed and then they're recognized by the church, and having some kind of install, installment or uh, appointment of elders, that they should meet the character qualities of 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. When disciplining unruly sheep or going after wayward sheep, we're to do so according to Matthew 18, 1 Corinthians 5. When making decisions as elders concerning money, it needs to be according to Scripture. That's why we take very seriously here, if you not heard this before, we don't do designating giving except for elder approved designating giving. We don't want you going, hey, I got $6 million. I'd really like a volleyball complex 
um, built out here on this green space. That would be the tail wagging the dog, the money tail wagging the, the purposes of God for any church. And then also, according to God's will, means when leading us, there's wisdom required, not a worldly common sense, but a spiritual wisdom. The next, not this way, but this way, elders are to shepherd God's flock, not for sordid gain, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. The idea of shameful gain is that which is gained through fraud. It's clutching hands. It's greedy hands. It says not with greedy hands. And we don't know uh, in each context how that was, if some of these elders were paid, um, and there would be nothing wrong with it. But it's like, what's your motivation? Is your inner drive for that to gain? And, and uh, in Second Timothy, uh, Paul warns about um, warns Timothy about those who uh, go in and, and take advantage of different households. They upset households. They're trying to have. They're trying to build this, you know, cash cow, if you will, through ministry. And so, you know, realize that a, a real temptation for anyone in leadership of any kind, but particularly in the realm where now you have the spiritual and the organizational and the personal and all that mixed together, it can be a cocktail, tempting cocktail for a man to go, let me step into this authoritative role and it's going to pad my pockets. Again, this is not about amount of money or anything like that. It's about the heart. And I could say, especially in our world today, with the weirdness of Christian celebrity, I mean, you can go after, you can be on the outside a, a uh, inspiring, you know, person, but on the inside, you could be empty. Now, that doesn't mean someone who's published lots of books or even has money, that, that's not what it is at all. In fact, I would caution you to not go that direction as you think about people. But realize that if you want to know a profession where you can be lazy and selfish and greedy, you're looking at that. An elder or a pastor, someone in ministry leadership. And we've got to not be about that, but we've got to have an eagerness, a readiness, an oomph, a desire. And so an elder should be one that God has stirred that desire. And he says, I just want to serve. I just want to be with the people. Like, I can't get them off my mind. I want to care for them. I want to be with them in their worst moment. I want to be with them on their best moment. I want to sit back and celebrate when I had nothing to do with the moment and their, their life group got together and they wept with those who were weeping and they rejoiced with those who re were rejoicing. He says, that's the kind of stirring within us that is what God desires. And then lastly, not, not only not under compulsion, but voluntarily, not only not for shameful gain, but eagerly, but also not domineering or not lording it over, but elders are to prove to be examples. Not domineering or lording it over, but proving to be example. We don't have the time in these five verses to unpack every story from Peter's personal life that is coming to the surface right here. Because when he talks about shepherding the flock of God, you can think back to Peter blowing it and failing and denying Jesus three times. And then Jesus restoring him on the beach. Peter, do you love me? Well, you know I love you. Well, then tend my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Well, then shepherd my sheep. But Peter had to go through those embarrassing but indelible moments so that God could break down his pride. And now that he's in a place of humility and receptivity and just needing God's grace, now he can build him up as a shepherd. And now he can build up and encourage his fellow shepherds, his fellow elders. And one of those examples was, Jesus actually talked about this a couple of different times, but even in the account, in Luke's account anyway, of the Lord's Supper, um, when it, John lets us know that there was no lowest of low servant to wash feet. And so what did Jesus do? 
he got down and he washed feet. But then there seemed to be, even in that dinner, a dispute amongst them. Maybe the dispute came because they're like, well, I'm not washing your feet. I mean, you're, you know, I've got a, who knows? We're not told that, but that's very human. But then Jesus lets them know, hey, this is the way the Gentiles act. This is the way the world is. It's a pecking order. It's a, I'm ranked better than you. You know, uh, I'm a five-star. You're a two-star. You're a no-star. You should serve me. And Jesus says, that's the way of the Gentiles. But he says, not so among you. He says, nothing wrong with wanting to be great. But if you want to be great, become a servant of all. And then Jesus in Luke's account says, I am among you as one who serves. Not lording it over. Not looking down upon. Not with this dictatorial, authoritative, get in line but I'm among you as one who serves. Which is also what Jesus gave them a picture of when he says, don't be lording it over, but prove to be examples. Jesus got down, he girded himself up, and he washed their feet. That was the lowest of low job you could have as a servant. And Jesus did that, and he says, do you know what I've done? Now that I've done this, you ought, and they, you would think he's going to say, you ought to wash my feet. But he says, no, I've given you this example that you might wash one another's feet. He says, yes, I am the leader. You call me teacher and master and Lord. That is my my spot in God's design. But I am doing this. I am one among you who is serving. I am one who is giving an example to you so that you turn around and do that with others. And that is what we need from our elders. We don't need slick polished, self-assured at every turn. We need servants. We need those who care for the sheep, protect the sheep, feed the sheep, lead the sheep, who are among the sheep and also out in front of the sheep to lead us. And I just want to tell you, um, it's a privilege for me to be one of our, our five elders but Kyle, who was up here reading, David Haddon, Dave Shipley, and Brian Mosley are, are other uh, elders. I just want to tell you what a joy it is to serve alongside those men. I wish that, although I would then recoil against it, but I wish there was some way for you to see how unimpressive our meetings are at times, uh, and yet there are There are celebrations at what God is doing among you and through you. There are times when we weep. Yes, I weep more probably, but that's just my makeup. But we weep with you. We rejoice with you. Even this past Wednesday, we we do this on a somewhat regular rhythm. We didn't really have an agenda except for to get together and rehearse what is our call that God has given us, that God appointed us to, to shepherd the flock. And we prayed for you. We prayed for one another. We kind of would talk about something, and we'd pray, and then we'd talk about um, another aspect, and we pray for one another, and we prayed for you. That's what kind of elders you have. I want you to know that, because I want you to be reassured that the men that you have uh, in elders, uh, in the role of elder here, the responsibility. They take seriously shepherding God's flock. They also take that with that lump in the throat and going, who am I to do this? But they also do it gladly, eagerly. They can try for sordid game, but they don't get paid squat. I guess you could say going for reputation, that could also be in that category but they're open-handed, open-hearted men. I just want you to be encouraged by that. And uh, when you see one, appreciate him. Tell him thanks. Well, let's get to what kind of members are we to be. There's kind of a calling and a clothing. We're going to do this quicker. It's only one verse. Um, Verse 5. You younger men, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace 
to the humble. What kind of members are we to be? We're to be those who subject are, are subject to our elders. We submit to our elders. The word is a military term. It means to arrange under. That doesn't mean lesser than. That means for what the bigger picture and purpose is and what God has given me as my portion, my place, I'm going to gladly arrange myself under the God-ordained authority that he's put in place. I'm going to be an under-arranger, not an underminer. And that's really the question for today. We're going to talk more. We're going to spill into next week um, with verses 5 through 7. But that's a simple question. Is there sort of an assignment? There's not sort of. There's an assignment, and there's an arrangement that we are to have, that you as a member of the church is to have. The assignment, he actually says um, in verse 3, not, not domineering over those in your charge. The word charge there is where we get the idea of lots, where you, they would roll dice to see what God, I don't think they were in Vegas, I think they were, they were seeking God's leadership and, and appointment and portion, wisdom, direction. And for them it was, we've sought you, and this is what we've put before you, now the answer coming, we would see it as coming from you, Lord. And so I want you to hear that as younger submitting to elders, you're submitting to that God allotted you to the charge of our elders under this local church if you are here as a member. Not only has he appointed elders and given them the assignment of shepherding, he's assigned you to be shepherded by them. Here's what that really messes with in our culture. That means if you're part of a local body, God brought you there. He assigned you to his care through local shepherds. It's a care for your soul, that, for my soul, that we need. And so it messes with our idea that, well, I'll just, I'll just go ahead, I'll just float along through podcast and kind of my own pick and choose church hopping. That goes against God's design for you, for your soul. I'm not telling you this to guilt you to stay here. I'm telling you this because I, I feel like we need to be, we need to be uh, honest enough with how we are and honest enough particularly of how that doesn't really work for us in the God provision kind of way. That when we hop around, when I'm just good to just listen to podcasts, that's great. But I, I've, I've sung his phrase before. I'll sing it really quick for Matt Chandler, large church. If you click on a video, you know what I love? He says, hey, glad you checked this out. I hope it encourages you and supports you. But don't let this substitute for you being under the authority of a local church eldership and pastors who teach the word because that's what God designed for you. He doesn't say exactly like that, but almost. He didn't have to say that. Why does he say that? Because God's design is... No matter what comes out the gate, we're to stay together. And guess what? He assigned us where he assigned us, where he located us, how he's wired us, who he put as shepherds in his each local expression of his flock. And so elders have been assigned you under their care. And you have been assigned God's assignment under our care. And so the question the, 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 the members were to be is we are to, we're to receive that assignment from God and arrange ourselves under his authority, under local church authority. That's not popular. Some of you may not be here next week. That's the plain truth. And I would say that we are grateful for those who are part of this body. Uh, our, our elders, as I said, they... Um, rejoice and are constantly celebrating what God is doing in and through you. I would tell you this, since the pandemic, those who are with us are with us. And we are thrilled about that. 
because we believe as God brings not only elders eagerly to be eldering, but you as members to be eagerly serving alongside and submitted under, that God would do things that we can't imagine if we kind of go it our own way. And that brings us to clothe ourselves all with the same fit. He says, clothe yourselves, all of you. So elders, shepherd the flock. Uh, younger influencers, be submiss- uh, submit to the elders. And all of you, this is for all of us, here's our fit, here's our outfit. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Humility, biblically, is lowliness of mind. It's not to think down on yourself. It's not to think less of yourself. It's to think of yourself less. Uh, Romans 12, 3, next slide. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. As God has allotted, there's that word again, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. We are each to be humble. And again, we're going to come back to this. Um, Skip Ephesians, go to Isaiah. You realize that when we clothe ourselves with humility, not only are we embodying um, what Jesus himself modeled and embodied before us, that he didn't consider his own interest above uh, others, but he humbled himself. But actually, that's the place where God loves to dwell. Isaiah 57. For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. He says, I dwell in a high and holy place, and also, or especially, with the contrite and lowly of spirit, or broken in spirit, in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. He says, when we humble ourselves, that's where God loves to dwell. When we are broken, when we are particles of dust because we've been so crushed by life, but we turn to him, we humble ourselves before God, we open ourselves to receive from God his grace. He says, I love to dwell in that place. In a church where members and elders, all of us, clothe ourselves in humility, God says, I love to dwell in that place. I love to, I love to stir noble thoughts. I love to ready each of you for the serving that I have for you so that my name would be great. So the next slide, we're to stay together and we're to serve together. I want you to hear this. Um, both, have, both groups have a payday, members and elders. Um, all of us, members, um, all of us have the opportunity to hear the Lord on the day that we meet him face to face. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And elders, in this passage in verse 4, he says, And when the chief shepherd appears... He says, I know eldering can be demanding. When the chief shepherd appears, it is worth it because you will receive the unfading crown of glory. There's a special reward for faithful shepherds. He says, stick with it. Stick with me and stick with the, the flock and stick with what I've called you to be and do. He says, you will be rewarded in an unfading way. And the word there, unfading, um, there was a, evidently a flower at the time that was a red in color and other garland wreaths would fade or whatever, but that flower would be unfading, like just continue on and on and on. And he's saying the reward that an elder, a faithful elder will receive is of an unfading uh, glory. Both of us will have a payday. In other words, it will be worth it in the end to suffer and sacrifice, but suffering precedes glory. We're all to serve willingly. He tells the elders to do willingly, eagerly, And he tells um, the members to submit ourselves to the elders. And that's a willing submission. We both will suffer lack of immediate gain. We're going to talk about this more next week. Um, There's nothing wrong with exaltation. It's a matter of timing. That's what we'll see next week. And then Jesus uh, is our ultimate example of serving, sacrificing, shepherding, giving away his life and service for the ultimate joy set before him, for the ultimate reward and honor 
that after he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's a place of honor, of reward, of recognition. But he first went through what he knew God had assigned him, which was a cross. And because of that, and only because of that, can we be those who belong to him as part of his flock. Now, I want to close with this, and then we're going to sing and be done. I want to go back a couple of uh, slides to, um, to Hebrews 13, 7, Nick. Because I want to I wanna ask, what does this look like? What a, what, we've looked at what it looks like for elders, and we've looked at, okay, we're called to submit to the, the elders. But what does that look like in a real way? Well, I think we've seen the elder part spelled out. Not under compulsion, but willingly, not for shameful gain, like a hireling, but with eagerness and not lording it over, but proving to be examples. But what's it look like for you as a member? Well, here's just a couple of scriptures. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, so their example, imitate their faith. So get to know your elders. They're very accessible. They're very available. Get to know them and know that they won't be perfect. But as a result of their conduct, imitate their faith. To imitate means you need to be around them enough. You realize that your child learned to talk by you talking to them and you being close enough every night putting them down in the crib and saying, you know, bottle. And eventually they went baba and then bata and then bottle, and then milk. I don't know what they said, but that's imitation. That means it has, you have to be close enough, and you have to be able to see and hear. I'm sorry if I just ruined your pedal there. Um, To imitate their faith. Next one. But we request of you, brothers, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction that you may esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Let's simply appreciate them. Recognize that um, it's hard. It's, it's a challenging, demanding job for which they're not paid. Um, all I'm simply doing is saying, I want you to know the kind of men that do that God put in place here and that are eldering you and shepherding you and be grateful and, and let them know. Hey, if there's stuff that Gosh, we need to address this or whatever, bring it. But recognize that you're not the only one who may have brought stuff. So we're inviting that. And then I'm also, as a, for a second, not an elder. Um, hey, let's, let's temper it with giving them room, giving them grace, appreciating, and then the appropriate um, ways to do that, which is the next one, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders, submit to them. There it is again. Why? For they keep watch over your souls. Again, part of why God assigned you to a local church under elders is because that's how God intends for your soul to be watched over. Just let that hit you. I don't know if you've ever thought about, especially if we're like, well, I kind of, I don't really like the music there anymore. And we, like, what are we doing? We're jumping from those who would keep watch over our souls. And they will give an account. That's sobering for elders. But notice this. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. For this would not be, or this would be unprofitable for you. Uh, One question or one way to check myself or yourself is, am I a joy to the elders or am I a grief? Parents want me to say that to the kids as the parents are shepherding the kids. Are you a joy or a grief? But... That's a, good, that's a good check, isn't it? Am I a joy? In fact, one of the things we did um, on Wednesday was we just, uh, we could have gone on and on and on, but we just said, hey, who's a, who's a joy to you recently? Let's hear, not, not because, oh, they got in line and they did what Elder, you know, Dave said. It was, who's a joy? Because we see them being receptive to God. We see them being responsive to his leading. We see them encouraging others, and it wasn't an official church thing. They just did it. And we just relished that. 
And we relish that opportunity to, to have the privilege just to, to see and be part of it. But the good question, a good check for us and for, for you if you're a member. And so those are just a couple of verses. I want to um, close in prayer. I'm going to invite the team back up. We're going to sing in closing, um, Christ be all around me. And then we'll have a benediction. Lord, I want to thank you for the men that you have appointed in this place at this time uh, as elders who shepherd this flock that is your flock. Um, And because of that, we can do so open-handedly, knowing it's yours and not ours. I thank you for their character. I thank you for their, their desire to keep growing. I thank you for the love that you've given each of us for your flock here at Allen Bible. And I thank you for the members who are here. Like, Lord, really, those who are with us are with us. And so we simply want to humble ourselves before you and to say thank you for your provision, for your shepherding of us, because you're the good, great, and chief shepherd. And we, all of us, submit ourselves to you and humble ourselves before you now, saying we want to honor you with our attitudes. Help us, Lord, where we might get selfish and arrogant as elders or resistant and arrogant as members or just kind of resistant to humbling ourselves. Find us grateful today. Hear us inviting you now, recognizing that you are around us, that you are with us, but also, Lord, desiring to be pleasing to you, not only in this moment as we hear, but as we go and are doers and liver outers of this word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you stand, we're going to sing this, and then I'll give us a benediction. As a benediction, we think of Jesus in John 10. He's the good shepherd, therefore he lays down his life for the sheep. And in 1 Peter 5, he's the chief shepherd who will come back, and all of us will give an account to him, and elders um, in, a, in a, a special way as well. But also in Hebrews 13, he's called the great shepherd, and I just want to read that as our benediction, Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Have a great week.